the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. God was God before COVID. He's God during COVID. He'll be God after COVID. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with Pastor Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth right from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now, here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. Now, in the Old Testament, when, like Solomon built the temple, they literally coated the inside. The beams and everything were coated with gold. Well, we don't do that anymore because, well, we couldn't do that. What's gold selling for now? Like 1900 bucks an ounce? Okay. But we do have a lot of electricity and LED screens and lights, and, and that costs a lot of gold itself. But anyway, with all that said, all throughout the Bible, the principle, though, is laid out. But this is where the principle first started. It's laid out throughout the Bible, but the principle starts right here at this point where God used people to bring money in to actually do what he wants to have done in the house of God. So at one point in the book of Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, God actually gets on his own people and he gets on them very harshly and he accuses them of ripping me off. He says, you have robbed God. And they're like, "Uh, excuse me, when did we steal from you, God? He says, you've stolen from me because you have not brought your tithes and your offerings into the storehouse. The storehouse is where you're being ministered to. It's the synagogue. It's the church. It's the place where you're being fed. And so that very word tithe itself means 10%. So God is asking us to give 10% of the income. Now, I know when me and my wife first heard that, well, not so much my wife. My wife would just give it all away. (laughs) That's my wife. But when I first heard like 10%, I remember I heard a message on giving. And it was like 10%. I'm thinking, well, that's never going to happen. Like, <laughs> they don't hold your breath unless you like to turn blue, Pastor, because that's not going to happen. Anyway, so it's like I was sitting there and I'm thinking like, no way. But then I thought, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read the Bible myself. I'm going to study this out. So it was one of the first studies I've ever did in the Bible myself on actually looking something up. And I came to the conclusion and I came to my wife and we were only married a couple months. I said, you know, honey, I think that God wants us to give us 10%. That's what he says in the word. And, and he says that he'll open the windows of heaven and he'll pour out a blessing on us if we do that. And my wife's like, let's do it. I mean, she was just on board immediately. And so guess what we did? We started doing it. And that was 41 years ago. And so it's like, now let me just take off Pastor Steve of Core Church, Los Angeles, because sometimes when you talk about money, people are thinking, oh, you're just trying to get money for your church. Uh, (laughs) Hold on. Not necessarily, because if we were all concerned with that, we would have installed wallet cams on all of these chairs. And they'd be saying, hey, what's in your wallet? Okay, <laughs> you know, no, no, we, no, not at all. And the thing about it is, if you don't want to give, 
then don't give because it's like we're not here to force you to give. We're not here to guilt trip because, look, I've been in churches. My wife has been with me, and they started talking about giving. There would be a bigger message at the offering than there was in the message. Like, what's the message? There is no message. We're just talking about giving. I was in New Zealand one time with a bunch of high school and college kids. We went to a church in Christ Church, New Zealand, and they did like a 25-minute message on giving money. And then they did a bunch more music. And then it came time for the word of God for the morning. The guy came up to give the message. He goes, well, we kind of ran out of time. Oh, well, let's just have another song. I'm like, there was no message. And I'm like, did that just happen? I couldn't believe it. So listen, no one should ever guilt trip. You should never, ever feel guilty on giving money to the Lord. You should never be like, okay, God, go ahead and take it. I won't go have lunch today, but take my money. You know, Now, God doesn't want your money like that. See, I don't like talking about money. That's why if you go to church or for any amount of time, all we do, we give you an opportunity to give and that's it. We don't talk about it. The only reason I'm talking about it now is because it's in our text. That's the only reason. And so it's like, so you don't want to give, don't give. But this is what the Bible says about not giving. He says, understand, you're only shortchanging yourself. Second Corinthians 9, 6 says, now this I say, He who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. So God's saying, look, I've established an order here. This is what I've called every believer to do is to give 10% of your income. You don't want to do that? Then don't do it. But I just want you to know, then those who give sparingly, I'm going to bless you sparingly. Those who give bountifully, I'm going to give to you bountifully. See, that's just how God does it. And so it really comes down to an act of obedience. That's it. It's obedience. And if you're not there yet, then don't give. Don't be guilt-tripped about it. But just understand, it's like God saying, okay, you've given little, I'm giving little back to you. So, again, me setting aside Pastor Steve, a core church, and just being just Steve Wilburn, a Christian, and Lori Wilburn, a Christian, 41 years we've been tithing. We have never in 41 years ever missed one bill, ever. And there's been foolish spending in those years from my side. And let me tell you, we've never missed a bill. We have never been without. And the times that we didn't have, there'd be groceries on our doorstep. There's times that there'd be money stuffed in my Bible when we were coming home, like someone put money, like, where'd this money? It's like, you heard of money trees? There's no money trees, but there's money in my Bible. It's coming out. Okay, but I'm telling you, we have never been without. God knows everything. But here we have a picture, and we see painted of Abraham, and it's this. He said, no, for a reward from the king of Sodom. No, I'm not taking the wicked man's money. But he gives to the Lord from the Lord's gracious provision. I wonder what you do. Jesus said this in Matthew 6, 19. He says, don't store up for yourself treasures, you know, here on earth where moth and rust destroy, but where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, look, if you make good money, it's nothing wrong to have nice things. There's no guilt trip here. There's no like, oh, hey, I can't have this or I can't have that. It's like, oh, I got to, you know, store everything. No, no, no. Listen, it's balance. 
It's balance. It's just being like the Lord's, what is the Lord's is the Lord's. And then many times when you're given to the Lord, man, he's blessing you. So there's nothing wrong with having nice things or whatever, as long as the priority is always the Lord and there's balance in your life. Then if the Lord blesses, man, hey, praise Jesus, man, have some nice stuff. Which brings up our second point, a great reward. Let's read what happens next here, picking up in chapter 15, verse 1. It says, now, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision, saying, do not fear, Abraham. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. And Abraham said, O Lord God. What will you give me since I am childless and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? And Abram said, since you have given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. So obviously this Eleazar must have been a faithful guy in his household. So he was going to give everything to him. Verse four, then behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this man, talking about Eleazar, will not be your heir, but one will come forth from your own body and he shall be your heir. And he took him outside and said, now look towards the heavens. God says, look at the heavens. Can you count the stars if you're able to count them? And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Then he believed in the Lord. Abraham believed and he reckoned it unto him as righteousness. Yes, Abraham made a conscious choice in his life to put God first. And because of that, God speaks to him. And God reaffirms to Abraham what he promised in Genesis chapter 12 to make Abraham a great nation. But here's a sweet little twist here. God confirms that, that the nation will come from Abraham's own seed. Well, this isn't going to be some like adopted child. This isn't going to be a child through someone else. This is going to be between you and your wife. Meaning somehow, some way, this 80-year-old man was going to have a son to carry on his name. This was a time when many men would say, uh, excuse me, Lord, uh, God, how is this going to happen? My wife has desired to have children for decades now. Decades. She's wanted to get pregnant for like, oh, let's say the last 50 years. And she hasn't got pregnant. I've watched her fall asleep, drenched in her own tears all these years. Plus, in case you haven't noticed, I'm in my 80s. And my wife, Sarah, she's in her 70s. How are we going to start popping out babies like Octomom? How's that going to work, okay? We're way past our childbearing years. Yet Abraham said none of that. He didn't say that. He just simply believed God. I don't know how it's going to happen, but you're God. I'm not. No, it didn't make any sense to him. It didn't make any sense. But God spoke it. And because God spoke it, he believed it. Let me ask you here now today. Those of you that are listening, do you believe what God says? I mean, when you sit down and you read the word of God, the Bible, do you believe it? When you're hearing in a church service, you're hearing the message, do you believe it? Or do you doubt your salvation at times? Do you doubt the things that are happening? Do you doubt that anything can change in your life? Oh, I'm just in a mess. I'm just, the whole thing's a mess. Everything's a mess. It's all messed up. COVID-19, everything's messed up. Do you not believe that God can move in these times? 
And there's those times that, you know, when we're feeling like Christians, like, yes, yeah, I'm a, I'm a V8 running on 12 cylinders. You know, I'm just Mr. Faithful, Mrs. Faithful. We all have days like that. And then there's those days that we're like totally falling on our face. You know, we've, we've lied, we cheated, we did something wrong, we haven't been doing our Bible devotions, and then the guilt comes in, and it's just like, oh, you know, I don't even know. Hey, are you going to heaven? I, I hope so. Are you saved? I, I, I hope so. What do you mean you hope so? You know, it's like, what do you mean? I, I, I hope it's all going to happen. The Bible says when we believe, we have eternal life. But then why do so many Christians doubt it at times? When they don't feel like it. The Bible says in Titus 3, 5, he saved us. Jesus Christ saved us. It's not based on the, uh, on the basis of deeds which we've done in righteousness. It's not because, oh, you were a good boy today, so you're saved. You're a good girl, so you're going to heaven. No, it's like you're going to heaven when you're a good girl. You're going to heaven when you're not so much of a good girl. You're going to heaven because Jesus died for you, and he laid his life on the cross for you. That's why he says it's according to his mercy, not your mercy, his mercy. It's according to his washing of regeneration and renewing of his Holy Spirit. It's a work that was done, and it's not based on us. For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not as a result of works that no man and no woman could boast of it. There are many Christians who walk around feeling condemned. They walk around feeling unforgiven because you've done some bad stuff. Let's face it. It's not because those feelings just come out of nowhere. You're not obeying completely. you got that little area. you got that little dark closet you go to. And it's like you think, oh, man, how can I be a Christian? Look what I've done. I'm just such a, a, a filthy wretch. But yet Romans 8.1 says this to those who believe. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. There's no condemnation. Do you deserve that? No, I don't deserve it. You don't deserve it. But that's what God gave us. That's the great gift. And when we fail and when we fall to sin, we have to go back to what the Lord told us. First John 1 9 says, if we confess our sins, that he is faithful and that he is righteous and that he will forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Not based on you, not based on me, based on what he did for us. That's why he was slaughtered. That's why they ripped the beard out of his face. He was marred more than any man. He was like a a lamb that was led to the slaughter for you because he bore our nasty sin on his bodies. We can look at our inabilities, which can be many at times. We can look at our weaknesses, which are many at times. And we can say, well, God could never use me because I continue to fail and I've, I've done this wrong and I've done that wrong. Yet Matthew eleven twenty five, 25, Jesus said, I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and intelligent and you revealed them to infants. What he was saying there was he just got done ripping the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day, Because he told them, he says, you know, John the Baptist came here and he was a prophet of prophets. He says, he's the most awesome prophet that ever lived. And you rejected him. He was out in the wilderness. He didn't do anything but preach the word. And thousands came out and repented of their sin. He was the epitome of a man set aside for the work of God. He didn't do anything wrong. He walked the straight and narrow. He did everything. 
Then you rejected him. Then I came. Who am I? I'm God in the flesh. And what did I do? I came here and I've been eating and drinking with the sinners. Now, he's not drinking like getting slammed. He's not, you know, doing all these things. He's, he's just hanging out where the sinners are. Why? Because Jesus said, I didn't come to save the righteous. I came to save sinners. So he would go to the sinner's house. He would go there. He would eat with them and he would share with them. That's why he took Matthew, the tax collector dog, and forgave him of his sin and made him one of his disciples. And that's why Matthew's recording this right here because it resonated with him. But the religious leaders, they rejected John the Baptist and said, hey, what's wrong with that guy? He has a demon, they said. And then Jesus came eating and drinking with the sinners says, oh, you know, he's a glutton and he's a drunkard. No, no, no. You got it all wrong. Yeah, see, so he says, God, you've held back what I've brought from these religious hypocrites, and you've given it to just the regular people. That's who God wants to raise up, regular people. Much of the church today has become anemic Why are we so anemic? Why are we so bland? Why are we so wishy-washy? How come Christians are so lackluster? How come we're so spiritless? It's like the church is filled with unbelieving believers. Oh, yes, I believe in Jesus. Do you believe you can do anything? Well, I don't know. Yeah, I'm a believer in Jesus. You know, are you, are you happy? You know, it's like, yeah, I'm a believer in Jesus. It's like, you know, you have peace in your life. I don't know. We're all going to die. COVID's here. You know, it's like, oh, oh, my goodness. We're unbelieving believers. Believers need to believe. God was God before COVID. He's God during COVID. He'll be God after COVID. Yes, God has chosen to reveal himself to the foolish. God has chosen to reveal himself to the weak. God has chosen to call those that the world has completely disregarded to be what? To be used by him. Case in point, again, we already talked about Gideon a couple times now. But Gideon was the least of the tribes of Israel. He was from the least of the family in the tribe of Israel. And he was the least in his own family. But that's who God raised up. It was David. He was the least in his family. There was eight sons of Jesse. All of them were strong and strapping men. And God rejected every one of them until they got to the youngest, which was David. And it said he was a ruddy boy with kind of reddish hair, blue eyes, and had a really good look. So he's just like the pretty little boy. And as God says, I'm going to raise up that little boy. And that little boy is going to drop Goliath like a bad habit, Mr. Fee-Fi-Fo-Fum. And he did. Yes, God raised him up. What about Mary? Mary's from the most insignificant city there in, you know, outside of Jerusalem. She was just a young teenager, possibly only 15 years old. Yet God called Mary to carry the Savior of the world Jesus in her womb. And Mary just simply asked the angel as she heard what this calling was for her. She says, uh, okay, uh, only one problem. I've never known a man before. I'm a virgin. And the Holy Spirit responded to her in Luke 137. It says, for nothing will be impossible with God. Boy, how we need to hear that today. Nothing is impossible for God. Yeah, but you don't understand, Pastor. I'm turned upside down. Nothing is impossible for God. Me and my wife sold our first house. We lost every penny of that money. We moved back to serve the Lord. It didn't work out. We lost everything. We came back, and within six months, we bought a whole other house. 
Church did out. And then what? God called us again. We sold that house. We lost everything again. <laughs> it's like then we bought a house back in Virginia. And then, you know, we bought it at the peak of the market. Don't you hate when you buy at the peak? Let's buy high and sell low. No, I mean, that's supposed to be the other way around. You're supposed, to, you're supposed to buy low and sell high, right, Michael? It's like, you know, but we bought high and we sold low. We lost like $35,000 on the house. And that was a lot of money back then. And it's just like, but whatever. And then we moved back and then we bought a house nicer than we could ever imagine. And then it's, it's just, it, it doesn't it doesn't make any sense but when you serve the lord nothing is impossible for god we're told that mary pondered those things in her heart okay well i'm a virgin i don't know a man but hey okay i'm game if you want to have the the savior of the world be born through me okay so she pondered those things meaning she treasured those things in her heart the things that God spoke to her, she preserved them. She considered them. She didn't want to lose them. Let me ask, have you considered, have you pondered what God could do in your life? What could God do in your life? How could you be a light that shines in this city that's supposed to be completely locked down, supposed to be all, you know, we're all going to die, all of this. What could you do? How could God use you? Have you pondered that? Have you pondered his eternal perspective for you personally? Have you pondered what role God has set aside for you? Your stewardship in him, the stewardship of your finances, but more importantly, the stewardship of your own life, of you being a voice where people look in your eyes and they no longer see you, but they see Jesus inside of you. Have you pondered what it will be like to look into his eyes one day, knowing that you only lived for yourself and you didn't truly believe? See, we can turn that around right now. Instead of being the wishy-washy Christian, the anemic Christian, the lackluster Christian, you could be, I'm going to turn this around. I'm going to live my life for him. I'm going to bring glory to him. I'm going to bring glory to his life. You know, you could be in another place. Maybe if you moved in a, to another state, isn't that what a lot of people are doing now? Like, let, let's move to Texas. Let's move out of here. You know, let's move, 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 move. You get out of California, this liberal, you know, you know, slime pot that we're living in here. Okay. But maybe God has you here for a reason. Maybe that you're supposed to be in this slime pot with me and my wife in this slime pot so that we could be shining the light of Jesus in this slime pot. Okay. Again, Abraham simply believed and God reckoned it unto him as righteousness. This, as you know, is way before the law of Moses. Moses is not born yet. Moses has been coming for hundreds of years. This is before the Ten Commandments. This is before any written law has been written. Yes, Abraham, he came and believed God by faith. And it was counted unto him as righteousness or another way that that could be translated. He was in right standings with God. And of course, because Jesus died on the cross for you and for me, not much has changed today. That covenant that God made with Abraham, it's the same one that we have. We come to him. We believe him by faith. Romans 5, 1 says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And before any son was born to Abraham, God spoke the future of Abraham's seed. Let's read it here in verse 13 of chapter 15. He says, and God said to Abram, 
know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that is not theirs, where they will be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years. But I will also judge the nation whom they will serve, and afterwards they will come out with many possessions. He's talking about Egypt here. This is crazy. He's given them the whole lowdown here. Here God is able now to prophesy of Abraham's descendants before the first one was even born, that they will be in slavery for 400 years. Again, God is talking about Egypt. How did they get to Egypt? Because Abraham had a son eventually, not yet, but this is what God's talking about. It's going to be Isaac. Abraham and Sarah had a baby named Isaac. Isaac had a baby named Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. His sons turned one of his sons and sold him to Ishmaelite slave traders and sent him down, and he was sold as a slave in Egypt. God took that son, Joseph, raised him up as the second most powerful person in Egypt. Then there was a huge famine in the land. So now Jacob has to move his whole family down. There's only like 72 of them, and they moved down there because his one son was the second most powerful person. So they move down there and they're treated with carte blanche until of course Joseph dies and all that. Then they go into slavery and they're in slavery there for 400 years. And then God delivers them through Moses. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Available on iOS and Android. Core Church is sponsored by and a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you have been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA to 77977. You can also give via our app or online at corechurchla.org, as well as writing to P.O. Box 34789, Los Angeles, California, 90034. 